0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is former superstar David Young from TNA. You're listening to the
1: Stu's Podcast, and I'm so happy to be here, and thank you, UK, for having us there. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! Welcome to episode 92 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast and my guest this week is former WWF talent Jameson, John DiGiacomo, who is also an actor and a comedian. John was around the WWF from 1989 to 1993. We get to talk about his great friendship with Sensational Sherry. He's also got some great stories about the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. He also talks about how Vince discovered him. There's a great story behind that and how much he'd liked the character of Jameson that John played. Outside of wrestling, John was an exec on Wall Street many, many years ago in the 80s. He talks about that in quite a bit of detail and he also says about the Hollywood films that were based on Wall Street and how close they were to what actually happened there. John also talks about his son, James, a child actor and he's also been a part of WWE. He was on Extreme Rules 2014 when the Wyatt family, most notably Bray, took on John Cena at the event. He was cast as Little Johnny. And there's a story behind it as well. When they were backstage, Vince didn't realise it was John's son. And it was John, the guy that he had in the WWF in 1989 to 1993. Madness, absolute madness. But yes, yeah, some great stories. I really enjoyed doing this one and I can't wait for you to hear it. So, without further ado, my guest for episode 92 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast is former WWF star Jameson, actor, comedian, John DiGiacomo. Enjoy. My guest all the way from New York in the good old USMA, it is John DiGiacomo, but you will remember him most notably as the character Jameson in WWF. And John, that was one of my most favourite eras in wrestling I started watching in 1990. You were obviously prevalent on television. How are you today, sir? Absolute honor to have you on because I remember you very well growing up.
0: Well, thank you. And, and it's great to be with you. Um, excited. It's only nine o'clock in the morning here, but that's, I'm an early riser. So I'm, I'm already three cups of
1: coffee in. Perfect, perfect. Morning's my favourite time. So yeah, this this should go very well, very well. Right, I'm going to go back to the late '80s when you came into WWF, and Vince McMahon saw you at a private comedy show. I am right in saying that, aren't I? Yes. Is that, is that how the wheels got started? Is that how the wheels yeah. got set in motion?
0: Yes, yes. It was like a um, it was like an audience participation show, um, murder mystery. Um, and uh, it, a lot of it was improv. Um, and there were some scripted scenes, but the bulk of the show was improvisation. You had to react to the, to the guests. And um, I think Vince, I know that he enjoyed me. I had him laughing a lot. And, um, and that's what attracted him to me was my improvisation skills. They were, at that time, looking for a co-host. Um, to work with Bobby Heenan on the Bobby Heenan show like the uh you know the uh, the Ed McMahon to his Johnny Carson well now I'm going way back but um yeah it, his co-host and um it worked great I mean from the minute we were in the same room together um we just started feeding off of each other it went really well and and they offered me a contract that day
1: just what? What a shame! The Bobby Heenan show only ran for four episodes. Uh, that's, yeah, that's crazy to me because obviously yeah. I watched it later. I was a bit young when you were doing that. Right, I've only been three years old. But obviously, over the years, I've seen clips and when they've shown stuff on the network and things like. That. Why? Why did it not run longer, John? Because you and Bobby, what? What a dynamic! What a dynamic! Perfect. Yeah. Um. The network,
0: um. USA was the network. Um. Were weren't happy with it. I mean, it was it kind of came as a shock to everybody because I think the wrestling community, um, including, you know, the executives, the talent, the fans most of all, um, were loving it and it was getting um, you know, good ratings, good everything was good about it, but I just don't think that USA was comfortable with the the format and the humor of it. I think it would fly better now. Um, just because of um, how many outlets, media outlets there are that would run something like that. Um, But at the time, you know, um, cable TV was in its infancy. Um, Networks wouldn't touch it. Um, You know, the the major networks. Um, And it wasn't really sports, so you couldn't go to one of the sports cable. Um, And USA... You know, Vince had a great run with that network doing all the the Monday night show right into Raw. Um, so it was just a decision that was made and really shocking to most of us. And um, Vince had to find something else for me to do.
1: Give me some stories like, off the top of your head about Bobby Heen and still still the greatest colour commentator and performer in the history of pro wrestling. I know that's Universal with a lot of people, but him and Gorilla Monsoon, for me, the best commentary yeah. team in the history even, of the game. Even Bobby
0: and Mean Gene worked well yeah. together. Mean, yeah, Mean Gene was yeah. just, just a master at setting Bobby up. Um, and, uh, um, I mean... <sighs> You know, what my fondest memories of working with Bobby was that I was able to crack him up at times where he, you know, that we had to reshoot, like retake because uh, he, he had to play this hard ass um, guy who had n- absolutely no use for Jameson. So if I did something that made him laugh, um, I got a kick out of that. I, I was pretty good. As funny as he was, I was pretty good at staying in character. Um, I had no training but just good instinct to just stay in character and you know my reaction to him really set him up for his next delivery so if i if i didn't stay exactly in character we would have been all over the place but it was it was a really good mix um so yeah my fondest memories with bobby was that he really um You know, really thought I was a terrific actor and very funny and all that and told people that, you know, I mean, I had literally been acting less than a year when Vince found me. Um, But somehow, you know, I think the perception was I'd been doing this since I was a kid and I hadn't been. I was I was 30 already. Um, Yeah, I guess I was 30. Yeah. When when uh, Bobby Heenan show went on the air. Um, and, uh, so Bobby was always so generous with praise and, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, I mean, a lot of the guys, um, you know, saw my, how popular the character was getting. And, uh, like I'm talking about the wrestlers now. Um, and when they meet me off camera in the dressing room or backstage you know in the green room or uh, catering or whatever nobody knew it was me it was jameson and all i did was grease my hair and put on glasses but i changed my posture i was in really good shape in those days i was um you know i was uh not a gym rat but i took care of myself i was uh i was in really good shape and i had some some fighting um skills from um wrestling and boxing um that whenever I was in, involved in a bit, I would want them to hit, really hit me, throw me whatever they, you know, I could take it. I could take, I know how to fall and I had a, um, and I think that they gained a lot of respect for me um, because I was, I was not a wrestler. I was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, one of the personalities um and, a lot of the guys that were personalities didn't really want to get roughed up. So they didn't, um, you know, they didn't, there are a couple that did, but, um, I, I was never careful about that. I, for me, um, as a budding actor, I wanted it to just be real. And, um, and I, I can remember like prime uh, primetime one, one episode where sensational Sherry literally beat the shit out of me. And it was great because it looked like I was in distress. Um, and she loved me and, and I loved her. She she was probably my closest friend when when ultimately I had to go on the road. Um, she was a pal. Christmas cards every year, you know. Um, she was a doll, a doll.
1: She yeah. was as tough as the man, that lady as well. We've heard it. We've heard it from the yeah. wrestler, you know, the male wrestlers. You didn't mess with Sherry. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, a heart of gold. Really, yeah, really... Yeah. Uh, you know, totally opposite of her character. Yeah, and Ted was Ted was great working with too. Um, um still have a lot of. Uh, they they actually paired me up twice with them in episodes where where they one one episode the the premise was that I snuck into his dressing room and tried on the million dollar belt, and right before we went on the air, it got stuck. I couldn't get it off, so I had a cover it with a bathrobe and i sat in the audience with a bathrobe and they started up the show and and um and ted and and sherry came running onto the stage somebody stole the belt wait till we get our hands on and by the end of the episode they go through the they go through the uh, audience with a metal detector and they find it on <laughs> me and they and she beat the crap out of it. it was great it was fun
1: that's cool, man. That's cool. Now, any other experiences on prime time that stick out for you? Yeah,
0: um, one of the greatest epi- Well, you know what everybody talks about, I guess the most is uh, the episode where the berserker um, um, throws me off the roof. He he tries to light me on fire, a Viking ritual. Bobby's handing him a lighter to to you know light me up and. um he can't get the fire started. So he brings me up onto the roof of the studio and throws me off the roof. That's, you know what? Everybody goes, that probably was, they actually kept that story line going for a couple of weeks. Um, that I had, to, you know, I was in the hospital and, and all that. Um, but like for me, the fondest moment I had was when they shot one night of primetime time was devoted totally to macho man's bachelor party. And, It was just a really great show. Um, I had some really, really good moments. There was at one point where um, I I can remember really cracking up Bobby, like to where they they had to kind of edit out the ending of that particular bit. There was this absolutely one of the hottest women I've ever met in person. They had this stripper um, to come out of Macho Man's Cake. She was a knockout, and while this is all going on, the bushwhackers come on with um this six foot hero It's all raw fish, it's all these you know real raw fish there there, and one of them fell out of the sandwich, fell on the floor. so when the stripper was finished, and she was leaving, and everybody was like freaking out how gorgeous she, and waving to her and everything i I picked up the fish, I said, "Lady, you forgot your fish <laughs> and Everybody just broke up. I mean it was really good. it was such a good feeling that everybody was laughing and com and, and I was interested to see how that was going to play when it aired but they de- they cut that out um, because Bobby was he just lost it it was it was pretty good. There were some good memories i mean um a lot of the episodes i, I, I I've forgotten um, actually had the warlord come up to me at a signing once and ask if I had video of the bit we did together and I, I could not remember for the life of me. And then I went back and saw he, he used me as like the human dumbbell, a uh, barbell. I've seen, I've seen, name, yeah. That's not a barbell. That's a dumbbell, you know, because it's James, <laughs> You know, um, but yeah, just great times. Did a, a really great opening with Brett, um, Brett Hart, one episode, um, uh, worked with a lot of guys. Um, Andre, um, uh, Hacksaw, Hillbilly Jim, um, and all the announcers, Sean Mooney, um, and of course, Bobby and and Vince, who was some weeks the co-host with Bobby. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Gorilla didn't really work with him too much, but I know that when I was involved in Raw and going on the road with the Bushwhackers, he called most of the matches and um great guy real great guy a lot of them were great guys some of them weren't but you know most of them were and most of them made a point of um telling me how much they liked what i was doing and and um but there were guys especially the old school guys the guys that were done wrestling that were Vince's you know uh, advisors and and uh, um just didn't think jameson was good for wrestling, Um, you know, that he he was just too unbelievable, whacked out, which to me is kind of crazy because a lot of guys were almost unbelievable. But, um, you know, thankfully, Vince was a huge fan. And I know that Hulk Hogan was a huge fan. And, um, uh, you know, I think that kind of helps when, you know, some of the big names um, are, would support you. Um, You know, I know that when, when they, when, when primetime ended and the only way for me to stay involved would be to go out on the road um, that I would have to be, I'd have to be a manager or something. Otherwise there's no, there's not a storyline that would fit Jameson traveling around the country just as a fan. So um, I was relieved when they put me with the Bushwhackers yeah. because they were really funny and I thought it might work. But I really, you know, I felt bad for them because I, I could just imagine what was <laughs> going through their minds when Vince said to them, we're going we're gonna to have Jameson. You're, Jameson's going to be in your corner. Um, but they were such great guys. They never made me feel uncomfortable or like they, they weren't happy with that. And some of the guys said to me, you know, when I would express, you know, I hope these guys are going to be OK with working with such a schlump. Um, But they said, you know, these guys could use a boost. You'll you'll get them over more now. They'll become more popular because you're so I kind of took that and said, all right, you know, I'm going to make this work. And and um, I hope these guys and and I've I've seen. Um, Butch, Butch, no, Luke. Um, a couple times, I think Butch is still in New Zealand. Um, uh, can't get he, he he can get here, but he's not going to be able to get back to New Zealand. So that's why they had a whole tour planned uh, this year um, that I was going to be part of. Um, you know, through prom- promoters, nothing nothing to do with WWE. No, no, um, independent. But it uh, never came off because they they couldn't uh, they couldn't get him here. But always felt supported by them and and one of the things that's just beyond my comprehension is I didn't at the time I was there from 89 to to 92 I think into a little bit of 93 I still did some stuff for them right up to 95 uh, I did the magazine uh, cover story great great time with King Kong Bundy and Ted Uh, it was the Christmas issue Um, but I didn't have a real understanding of Jameson's popularity. And I was not good with traveling around the country because my wrestling, my, my acting career was starting to take mm-hmm. off. I was booking some TV and, and uh, commercials and, um and I wasn't able to really audition because I'd be going out on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so time. even if I booked an audition, I probably wasn't going to be around to shoot the job. So, it was kind of a relief to me that I was able to get out of my contract. Vince was so great about it. Um, and and had I known then what I know now about Jameson's popularity, maybe I would have made a different decision. Um, but the decision was made, and I went on to have a, a really good theater career doing a lot of stage work in in New York City. I started writing. I wrote a play that went off-Broadway and in 97 um, and won some playwriting awards uh, for, for short for, I won a couple of one act festivals and, um, and it wasn't until literally 20 years later, like the early two, I think it was 2011 people starting to friends saying, Hey, you know, everybody, all these wrestling sites are looking for the actor that played Jameson. And I was like, yeah, you know, not really recognizing the how important it was to some people to find this guy. And I was at the time running a nightclub in the city, booking all the comics and and uh, and bands. Um, and this comedy group that came in found out I was Jameson. And they said, could we put you, your picture on our poster? And uh, maybe you make an appearance. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, So somehow Joe Bruin saw the poster or either on I'm sure on the Internet um, and called the bar and said, is is John, is he really Jameson and and inducted me into his Hall of Fame. And and this sports writer in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is about 100 miles outside the city, Um, big newspaper, though. Um, this guy did like a four part series Incredible. on Jameson, um, Incredible. that they f- finally, after 20 <laughs> years, they found him. Um, and I uh, get a lot of calls to do podcasts and, and uh, make appearances and, um, all that. And it's just amazing to me that there's still that much buzz about Jameson. Um, feeling like I gotta, uh, you know, I, I'm an old man now, but I, I, I still got the character in me and I still got ideas that I could start shooting new video with, with YouTube and Facebook and um, all these different outlets. I, I found this tape. It's, it's hilarious. Um, I found this tape that I shot on a home movie camera in 1993 after I left, or no, in 92, after I left the Royal um, WWF. I wanted to shoot a demonstration of a storyline that might interest Vince, where I didn't have to travel, where it could be shot here, um, so I could still do my other acting jobs. And it was just just a demonstration video. It's the funniest thing I ever did. It's funnier than anything I ever did on WWF. Um, I recently had it converted from a, a VHS tape to... Um, to digital and starting to release that tape. It's like a three stooges short. It's like 13 minutes long. And I just released the first two, like four minute, um, three or four minute segments of it and thinking, I got to do more of this um, because I got a great reaction to it. It's really, really funny thinking about having DVDs made of it and signing them and selling them. Um, You know, uh, would we'll, love to do a lot more from home than I'm doing now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the kind of thing that I could do. Um, the concepts are hilarious The the film is basically after I got roughed up by the genius at the Royal rumble. My idea was that Jameson joins a gym to get in shape, to get revenge on the genius. And uh, it's just as Jameson just being overwhelmed by, you know, being such a knucklehead. Um, not knowing how any of the machines work, but not wanting help because it was too much money to have a, a like, trainer uh, and trying to convince everybody that I knew what I was doing when I obviously didn't. It's, it's very funny. I'm uh, really proud of it. Um, you know. And again, that was 30 years ago, 30, 29 years ago. And, uh, and the comedy still holds up. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun. If you like that kind of humor, like Three Stooges, slapstick kind of stuff, it's pretty good.
1: How how was it working with Lanny Poffo, the genius? Maybe like extending off the time you spent with, with him because you know he comes from one of the most famous families in wrestling. And right, then, yeah, how how right. was it how was it working with him? And obviously he was managing the Beverly brothers at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah your um, experiences of Lanny, with the genius.
0: Yeah, a good guy and very um, you know, I think we shared a lot of the same desires to um, you know, whatever we did we wanted it to make, to look real, didn't want to have. Um, um, and he was another one of those guys that said, can I really hit you? Cause he smacks me. He actually cut the inside of my, side of my mouth, but you know, th- you, you got 20,000 people in the audience screaming your name and you know, you know, you could have knocked one of my eyes out. I would have just kept going, you know, it wasn't uh, and he was a good guy. Very, very good guy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of arenas that you went to, which was some of the, which was some of your favorite crowds? Um, well,
0: I would have to say that the 92 Royal Rumble was Knickerbocker (laughs) arena. Um, it was, it was a beautiful venue. It was fairly new at the time, I think. (laughs) And it was packed. Um, you know, I did a, I did a new, um, I did a New England run like, um, um i think springfield massachusetts uh, each each um each trip was like three three days three shows usually took four days or five days to do it um um I, I did i did a florida tour i did a texas tour and i did a new england tour um i don't you know none of the uh i know we were in san antonio none of the arenas really stand out to me i mean i was uh I was always, whenever the, the show would end, um, or my bit would end, I would always try to sneak back to the hotel because all the talent, you know, it was big, it was a big time. Everybody did their thing. They hung out, waited until everybody was done and they'd all, you know, go to strip bars or, you know, get, get whacked out the, uh, you know, um, and I was not that where well, I was more, I was like the pothead on tour. I would, I would, uh, you know, I, I would get stoned and I would go back to the hotel, you know, smoke a joint and watch TV was basically how I wanted to spend my time. But there were nights that somebody would come up to me. Uh, we were in Texas one night and Vince and Hulk actually got into an argument over whose van I was riding in, going to the strip club um, and uh, which always, you know, meant a lot to me that. Um, but again, I was not that I was I know if I drank, I'd be shit the next day um didn't want to do it so i I'd, I'd be like the guy you know i'd be sticking out like a sort felt like jameson almost going to these strip clubs um because these guys would move tables and start wrestling they, they they took over places it was it was pretty wild
1: it's crazy. Do you know what? For you to yeah. have to have the strength to do that and come away from that, though, because we hear in interviews with the guys, you know, the excess on the road and stuff. Like that shows how strong you were as a person. You know, to come away from that. Yeah, you so know, that's I, temptation. I, temptation, I, right? At the end and of the and day. I
0: and, and I already fought through the uh, the cocaine wars. Um, mm. I was uh, when I got out of school. I was. Um, I was a pension analyst. I was a financial guy um, and wound up working. Most of my clientele was in the wall street area was all high finance. And, and it, those movies of that, 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 that are about that era mm-hmm. on wall street and all that are all true. I mean, there was, and I was a kid. I mean, I was literally in my early mid and then late twenties during that time. And the cocaine was out on every, you know, every at every meeting in boardrooms with these guys that were 20, 30 years older than me. It was just it was a problem. And, you know, I I got hooked myself and, and really had to get clean and, and knew the only way I was going to get clean was to get out of that world. And that's what led me into stand up comedy, mm-hmm. which very quickly on I Vince discovered me Um which was kind of cool because, it, it, and, and, and it was good that it was, so, I didn't go back to it, which I could have very easily. I wasn't that, I was not clean that long. Um, and it was
1: around. Did you make a lot of money on wall street at the time? Were you yeah, making, I mean, making uh, good money? I, 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 yeah, I did.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, probably too much and didn't save enough. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was just wild. Um, but enough to like start over. Um, keep me going for for a few weeks i you know I quickly got involved in um, um, I started designing landscapes um, you know I went to work for a friend, an acting friend had a landscape business. I started off just doing his books, getting him you know incorporated all the legal uh paperwork and and stuff like that, and um, you know doing his payroll tax stuff um, and, but I needed more hours, so I eventually became a laborer on one of his crews and that led me into drawing, you know, designing the jobs. And, and, um, that was like, you know, it was, it made up for how unpredictable the acting business is, the income stream from acting. Um, so that's what I did. And, and then, um, you know, I figured uh, at one point I got married. Um, my wife, very strong minded woman wanted to start a family and I couldn't get a mortgage because you know, your acting income is so up and down. Um, And, and she was insistent on if we're not raising our kids in a rental, we're Mm -hmm. buying a house, we got to buy a house. So, so I I left the acting business for a while and really concentrated on design work and, and, and working not only for my buddy, but for a couple of other companies doing their design work and made good enough income where we could buy a house, Thinking I could always get back to acting once we get in the house. Um, and then the kids started coming. And my son, who's you know not from this earth, he's unbelievably talented. And I saw it when he was three. Mm-hmm. And instead of me going back to acting, I just managed his career. And he's, he's booming. He's still booming. Um, which is great.
1: I can only imagine that's the ultimate for you as a father getting to live that for your son, what he's doing and that, uh, you know, he's been involved in WWE and I've also obviously speaking to Joe, he said he's been involved with stuff with Disney as well. So yeah, yeah. You could speak a bit about what he's been doing. And yeah. His he, career um, like. he, he, his first
0: TV job was, he wasn't even five yet. Um, he did an episode of, a, of a, uh, an American show called White Collar, also on the USA Network. And um, he had a big role in one episode, and that led him to get some really good auditions. His biggest breakout thing, he was seven, and he did a commercial for the National Football League with Cam Newton, who's a popular mm-hmm. player um, of the time, and it's hilarious. It's, you could Google... Um Cam Newton play sixty and watch the commercial and see this little seven year old boy kinda um uh passive aggressively um taking Cam down. Um and it was he got so much attention from it. Um he got actually got uh video um uh, interviewed um on NBC and ESPN. Uh, it was just a huge uh, commercial ran for two every football game. It ran every football fan in America um, remembers that commercial. Remembers him in that, and that just led him to to bigger things. Like um, he did this movie Brooklyn, which I know is big in the UK. It was with uh, Saoirse Ronan. Um, it was about this Irish girl who leaves Ireland nineteen fifty two, moves to Brooklyn, and um, it was up for an Academy Award for Best Picture, oh. and she was up. Uh, for uh, Best Actress for that film. Beautiful film. And he had such a standout role as an eight, maybe he was nine by that time. But just, he killed it. He crushed it. The reviews were great. Um, and that led him to Disney. Um, he was um, on the number one show in, in, uh, at Disney for three years. He played Zendaya, who's now gone on to much bigger things. Um played her next door neighbor. She was the star of the show. It was called Casey Undercover. Um uh, Zendaya played a, a high school kid who was actually a spy. And uh James was like that nosy neighbor, you know, witnessing things that shouldn't be happening. And uh he was great. He was great. And then he became Kevin James' son, Kevin James from King of Queens and um and uh Kevin Can Wait was his last show. On Kevin Can Wait, he played Kevin's son. So he was a regular. He was in every episode. Um, well, just about every episode. Um, and he's since done movies. Great story. I have not acted. I had not acted for 20 years. And James did this episode, another great show that every person alive should watch. It's a comedy. It's called Rami. It's on um, I think Hulu in this country. I don't uh, I'm sure it's you could see it there, um, but it's a, it's a show about an, an Arab American who grew up with so much hatred toward him and his family. The, the you know the the obvious uh, you know typical uh, hatred that that Americans show Arabs, um, but it's done with humor and it's done in such good taste. Well, James played an episode. Um, actually the 9-11 episode where James is this kid's friend and it's like a throwback it's a flashback and James um he crushed it and this this little film company um out in LA saw him on this episode and they were putting together this film that a short film by an award-winning director writer um and you know on a short film if you're shooting in LA you're going to hire a local actor, so you don't have to pay for hotels, airfare. You're not going to bring a kid in from New York. But he impressed them so much, they decided, we're going to spend the money. Because not only do they have to pay for him, but they got to pay for his guardian. His. Mm-hmm. So they're Skyping with him, um, the auditions, and they hire him. And I gave him, he was only, I think, 13 at the time. Um, you know, total freedom. I didn't sit there and watch him talk to these guys. I, I gave him full privacy. He comes out of his room. He says, dad, they offered me the role. Listen, I told them, they said to me, James, your resume is so big. Who do you study with in New York? And I told them, well, my dad is an actor. He's the only coach I ever had. And they said, well, why don't you send us his picture? Because we haven't hired the actors yet to play your father or your grandfather. I mean, your father or your uncle. Send us his picture. We'll tell him which role we want him to read. So he sends my picture. They say, Tell him to read for the grandfather, which is kind of funny. But, you know, as an actor, I would have, if they told me to read the grandmother, I would have read for the grandmother. I, you know, an actor will do just about anything. So I read for it. They hired me. I, so I, we have this film coming out um, where he's brilliant in it. He'll make you cry, I swear to God. He's, it's such a, it's such a sad, dramatic movie. Um, it's basically about um, how, how abuse. Is passed down from generation to generation. In this case, in an Italian family, where it starts with the grandpa who abused the father growing up, and who's now abusing the son. And how James' character, um, you know, takes a stand against it, and uh, very emotional. He's got he's in every scene, um, and he's got a cry on cue. I mean, he's got a, real tears, and he was able to do it, take after take after take. Very moving film. I'm excited for it to to come out, but it, you know, for me, that was a great moment that we got to share um, the screen. Where you know, where we got to share the screen, and it's a very talented cast. Two of the actors from The Sopranos play wow. his parents. Wow. Um, uh, Tony Soprano's daughter um, Meadow. I don't know how from it. She plays his mother, and. This guy, uh, Lilo Brancato, who was the little boy in um, A Bronx Tale, with played Robert De Niro's son. Wow. He went on to get in some trouble, um, actually spent some time in prison. But as soon as he got out of prison, right back into the acting world, he was cast in, in a season or two of The Sopranos. Great, really talented guy. He plays the father, my son in the film. Um, he plays so it's all it's really well done the director easily uh one of the best directors i've ever worked for um and uh yeah it's been it's been a great ride
1: oh it's nice nice to hear that he's done so well i'm um, just i can tell how immensely proud of him you are as well that's yeah that's, a, that's amazing really, and he's a, you know
0: the best thing about him he's a great kid mm-hmm. he's a great kid he never he's very humble he'd ever mm-hmm. um you know, he wants people to like him for him, not, not because he's... Uh, because that happened at school, you know. Um, the kids all wanted to know him. And, and then within a couple of months, it wears off, and, and he almost got bullied, mostly by the girl, like, you know, because they think, he thinks he's so... High, and he never was that way. You know, he was never that way. And now that he's older, he's 16 now, and um, it's different. He doesn't, he doesn't mention acting at all. He just wants to be... A high school kid growing up. and But when the acting job comes up, he goes all out to get it. He's a great student of acting. Um, just a nice kid, very generous, very gentle, kind. Couldn't be more proud of him. And more proud of that than his obvious talent. He's been doing stand-up comedy since he's nine years old. In comedy clubs. In, you know, not like a, a, a pub. He's doing them in real comedy clubs. New York City, Long Island, um, just a really talented kid.
1: I want to get back to you now. And I want yeah, to come on. About sorry, stand-up. sorry. No, no, no. I wanted to. I wanted to hear about your son. That it's amazing. No, it's great. It's we go full circle on this show when I have guests on. That's what we try to do. But yeah, your your career in stand up comedy and TV for for the for the listeners and the viewers. Your experiences that I'd like to hear. Just stuff you can remember fondly. Well, well, I. I left
0: um, the financial world the end of 87 right before the, the crash um, it was uh, October and November I think November of 87 and I uh, went right to stand up I started I got I got hooked up early I did one open mic night and that led me right into paying gigs I did about... I'm going to say about six months of stand up, and um, a friend of mine um, was the um, he was the merchandise manager for U2 um, made a ton of money was was uh, and during that time the, the U2's manager um, hooked up with UB40 and they were coming to do a U.S. tour UB40 and this guy needed a merchandise manager, somebody to go on tour with UB40. And I said, Wow, great way to see the country. It was we were gonna do like 40 states, um, like a four-month tour. Um and it gave it, it, it give me a chance to sit back and start writing some new material. And um I had a great time. What a great group of guys, UB 40. Um love talented and love them. Um so when I got back off the road, friends of mine started this murder mystery company. They said, we're, we're doing a show. We need a vaudeville comic. Come audition. I went and auditioned. Had no desire to be an actor. Wanted to do, but I got to do some stand-up during these shows. And they paid triple what what a stand-up gig would pay. So I did it. And that's where Vince saw me. And I started to fall in love with the idea of being an actor. And I, I wanted to perfect my craft, get some get some lessons in and booked my second audition for a commercial, um, started booking some films um, and really focused on theater because that's really how you learn the craft. Um, live audience, instant, instant response um, and I, I spent a lot of time doing theater. I did mostly theater towards the end of the run but I did these short films with this guy that these these films are all award winners at at um and it and it was a, it's a great experience it um actually rewrote one of them into a feature that we're trying to sell now so um yeah that's basically what it was I, I did a lot of theater I did you know maybe uh, four or five films um couple of commercials um but you know wrestling it, you know when I left WWF. I was only, I only maybe had seven more years of a career before mm-hmm. I left the business, so it was short. I, my son's already been an actor longer than I have, and he's only sixteen, um, but he's got the best coach in the world. No, just
1: <laughs> Hello, he, he has. Yeah. All
0: yeah.
1: there, right with him, man. In the in the trenches, absolutely. Who, who was some of the people that in, influenced you in TV, film? Maybe, you know, oh my god, comedy. Well, I'm sure there's an array. Yeah, I,
0: sure an array. I still think that Curly from the Three Stooges never got credit for his brilliance. Um, the I to me, the funniest man that ever lived. Um, um, and like stand up wise, big fan of Don Rickles, um, Richard Pryor, and right up through like Eddie Murphy. I mean, I was well. In, my adult years by the time he made the scene but just uh, ridiculously talented um and uh tv wise like acting wise comedic acting um uh peter sellers mm-hmm. just the best um gene wilder oh, God, what a what a uh, um and you know huge huge fan of monty python i mean John Cleese, that Faulty Towers, um, you know that's that's what I'm a big fan of physical comedy, and all three of those, you know, Monty Python, Gene Wilder, Peter Sellers, so much of their comedy was physical, and I think that was an influence on me um, in t- terms of my comedy style. I mean, look at Jameson; he was just this, uh, you know, I don't know this is going way back now, but a big influence early on for me was Jerry Lewis. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was, he was to me, very Jameson. I never modeled Mm -hmm. Jameson off of anyone, but I I could see how some of these people influenced my comedy style. And the whole Jameson thing was such an accident. um, I was helping write a show. For, these, for this murder mystery company, after we did the the, uh, the vaudeville show, the uh, it was a 1920s period piece, we had to write a new show because we were selling out every weekend, um, but we were going to lo- – people are not going to come back and see the same show again. So we had to write a new show, and they asked me to help write it. I wrote it with these two women, um, and we came up with this character, Jameson. <coughs> But I was going to play a totally different character. Um, something not as challenging actor-wise, because I had just been starting out. Um, plus, he was so nerdy, and I was so not that guy. I was, you know, very physically fit a little bit. All my roles, uh, acting roles, were like, you know, drug uh, gangs and, uh, like, Spanish uh, drug lord or or um, mafia type. I always played the tough guy. So I had a different role, but We decided to go union for this second show, which is very expensive, but we can attract better actors. So we had to cut the cast down. So we cut out two characters and they cut my role. And they said, you got to play Jameson then. And I'm like, I can't play Jameson. I don't, I don't, not the way we wrote them. We got to rewrite. No, you could do it. Just, just come to the, just come to the first rehearsal. Let's see what you could do. And I brought a pair of glasses. I crossed my eyes and, from that first rehearsal, this, this character came out of me that I didn't even know I had in me. Um, and it was, and, and, and looking back, I could see where, what I picked up from Curly, from the Three Stooges, what I picked up from Jerry Lewis, um, and, uh, and comic timing. Peter Sellers and Gene Wilde, I mean, you can't argue with, the, with their timing. Um, they were laugh out loud funny, but in such understated ways that, um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, my influence, yeah.
1: Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, a film that my dad used to play to. Oh, my God. See no evil, hear no evil in the bar when they're having the fight in the bar. It's just, you know, when things stay with you, and we obviously recorded it on VHS, watched it time and time again. I was only young, you know, sure. Years later, i uh, was probably watching it in like the mid to you know mid late 90s when he showed me. I uh, watched yeah. it so many times, but I always look back to that bar fight scene with Dempsey. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. you know,
0: um, brilliant, brilliant movie. Young Frankenstein. Um, if you haven't seen it, I I highly recommend it. He's and, and Blazing Saddles, um, two two Mel Brooks films where Gene Wilder. You, you know, should have got a cat. Should have won. Best actor, both both for both of those films. Um, yeah, he's you know one of my favorite. Yeah, he was brilliant. And Richard Pryor, he wasn't even an actor. He wasn't even a trained actor. He was a stand-up, and he did a couple of movies. I mean, the movie with the, with the toy with Jackie Gleason. Um, he'll make you cry in that film. He's that good and believable, and he's. He's not just a funny man, you know. Um, yeah.
1: What would be your tips for people wanting to get into the entertainment industry? Young young people, maybe you no know, older people. You know, it's never never too late. Absolutely, is it? it's never Absolutely. too late. I,
0: I I would say that, um, you know, get some get some uh, instruction for the for the basics. Um, the most important thing. Is to get representation from an agent or a manager because then you get you get auditions all the time if you have somebody. But that's the trick: is how somebody starting out could get um, could hook up with representation. There are actors that that study for years that never get that break to where they can get an agent or a manager to to rep them. Um, I got lucky when I was I was on the when I was. First on with WWF, um, I had I actually had agents and managers and casting directors contacting me, asking if I had representation. Um, So I never had to fight that fight. My son, the same thing. I as a three year old, I got him into this class um, for five to ten year olds. And um, the last class, they bring in an act. They bring in a a coat. um, Uh, 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 a casting director from Sesame Street Um, they brought in uh, an agent and a manager and he was three, he was by far the youngest kid, they didn't even want to take him because of how young he was until they met him and saw that he was well beyond his years, he could be directed at age three and that's the whole thing, that's why they don't start him so young because you know, if they want a three year old, they'll get a five year old that, that could pass for three Um, But he got right in there. He got signed that night. He was the only one in the class that got signed. And he's still with the same manager today. And that was, that's like 12 years ago, 13 years ago already. So that's the key is to um, be able to uh, get enough tape of yourself um, and and some good photos and just reach out to managers and agents to, because for me I don't coach I don't coach theater I don't coach musical theater I don't co- I the only thing I coach I co- coach audition technique for on camera jobs like commercials <laughs> films TV um, and I can generally take a kid and get them to a point fairly quickly to where we could put something together to for agents and managers to look at. And I have some really good contacts in that world, especially being in New York. I even have contacts in LA um, where I can get a kid seen by some um, reps, um, which is huge. I mean, it's, it it's such a shortcut
1: and there are so many kids. Oh shit. Did I lose you? Yeah, it's okay, John. I think you should be able to switch it back on, mate. Oh
0: my God. I, I'm like, Oh,
1: see at the bottom where it says, Yeah, you are. yeah, you're I back. You. and you're going. Wow. You go I'm and
0: like, it. I'm I am so media, uh, I'm like a prehistoric man when it comes. <laughs> thank God for <laughs> my son because he set me up with Zoom, Face, all these things uh, that I have yeah. to be involved in. Um, I would have never joined even Facebook if yeah. Joe didn't tell me 10 years ago, You got to have some social media, yeah. Here. Yeah, you, have have that, to to you. you have to have that yeah. media you know,
1: influence, man.
0: Yeah, I couldn't even get on this morning. I had to wake him up nah. um, to get me hooked
1: up with you. That's no problem, man. It's no problem. Yeah, you were yeah. just saying, you're just saying about helping people getting into the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah these kids, some kids are contacts. so talented and they just don't
0: have the either the resources or the guidance to know how to break into the business. I coach a lot of I've coached a lot of kids into you know um into contracts with with agents and um you know i, I have a formula and I, i'm sticking with it and um some you know kids that i could tell right away are nowhere near ready i am not a real patient guy when it comes to babying kids through this if they're not putting in the, the work every week um they they come to class and they're not prepared i, mm-hmm. I, I lose my patience really I, quickly i'm not doing it for the money no, I charge no. very little for mm-hmm. what I do. Um, uh, for me, it's all about giving something back and and finding those kids that really deserve a shot. Um, and I'll, I'll do what I got to do to get them. If they're, if they're committed, passionate, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go the extra mile for sure.
1: Good insight there, John. Good insight. No, that was cool. That was cool. Uh, do you catch any modern wrestling? I've got to ask. Are you aware you of know, what's going on on the, on the current scene? Not, I, I, I only do
0: because, um, you know, 90% of my Facebook fans are wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see stuff posted from time to time. Um, the gig my son got, I mean, um, and and he did. He was little Johnny in the Wyatt family mm-hmm. for um, um, Extreme Rules. Um I remember it. 2014 yeah Yeah, the steel cage match with john cena and and everybody thought you know that i got him that gig my my uh relationship with with wwe he booked that on his own through his agent they they and the funniest thing was i had no idea going in to it uh i almost didn't do it because we had to get on a plane the next morning for la um and i know these pay-per-view shows go you're there past midnight and um, he was only like maybe 11 or something at the time. Four, let's see, seven. He was nine. He was nine at the time. Um, and I almost didn't do it, but I said, wow, how great would it be to see some guys again? And, and um, when we got there and Vince came out and got down on it, one knee to talk to James face-to-face, tell him what he'd be doing. They'd be hiding him under the ring. And are you afraid of the dark? Like, ask him. And he looks up at me and he says, you must be the father. And I said, yeah, Vince, you don't recognize me, do you? And now I had not seen him in in 20 years. And he goes, yeah, you look familiar. So I made the Jameson face. I just went, you know, and he was like, oh, my God. I got such a nice reaction from him um, Remember and you know, and seeing how you how are you? I got to bring you around. There's still people here that that were here. When you were there, like, um, you know, some of the TV executives and stuff. Um, and James, w- this was fresh off the the, um, the Cam Newton commercial was still running. Mm-hmm. And when we went into the green room and the word started getting out, that's the Cam Newton kid. Wrestlers were coming up to him and asking to take pictures with him. That's how unbelievable that night was. And I still have the mask he wore. Signed by, um, like, five of that night's night's wrestlers. Uh, that'll, um, be,
1: that'll be worth some money. Not that you'd ever want to sell it. <laughs> no, I think I, he wants to sell it. Oh, he wants to sell it? <laughs> he wants
0: to sell it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as he, he, uh, he's a realist. I mean, you know, what my feeling is, you want to hold on. Like, he did a Toys R Us commercial when he was three. And what he what what well, not a commercial, but it was a, a photo shoot where he's actually on the packaging of the toy. It's it's a it's an army uniform, you know, with the walkie-talkie, the grenades, the, the canteen, all the all the knickknacks, the vest, uh, the helmet, the the army helmet, and it comes on a hanger, and his picture is on the packaging, James' picture talking in the walkie-talkie, and I bought one. And I saved it. And that I would never sell because that's something that it was like his first job. But I, 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 think that there's so much pleasure that somebody would get out of this showing it off. And it's Bray Wyatt. It's uh, uh, Ryback. Um, I don't, I don't know who a lot of these. Uh, oh, Kingston. Uh, Kofi, yeah, Kofi, uh, Kofi, Kofi, Kofi Kingston.
1: Um, yeah. and there's. Oh, Cody Cody Rhodes who's obviously now with Cody the, Rhodes uh, running, yeah. uh, running aew with the cons yeah.
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: um so so anyway he's he's selling that
0: Joe's actually listing it I don't even know what he's asking but um, and and we did a signing um, it was the last time I saw Bobby Heenan before he passed mm-hmm. I don't do many of these signings I've only mm-hmm. done I've done less than I'd say maybe seven signings in the last 10 years mostly because I was always so busy with my Mm -hmm. son's career but um happened to do this one event where Bobby was going to be there um and I was on the cover of the WWF magazine I said with with uh Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy and I had um I had them sign uh King Kong Bundy and Ted that cover that I'm on with them. And then I bought my son a belt so he could run around and get signatures. And, you know, it's a shit belt. It's a foam belt, but it's, it's got, um, it's got a nice message from Bobby. Um, it's got Ted, it's got, uh, King Kong Bundy and Danny Davis. who uh, I don't know why that's on there, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, and we're selling that too. Um, so that's it. Um, yeah, it's I, listen, these are his, whatever he wants to do. Joe said he'd help him sell them. Um, you know, he's saving for a car. And this kid's literally, when he turns 21, it's good, could buy a house, never mind a car, um, because of his trust. You know, that's what they do with. And, um, but for now, he's still a 16 year old kid. He mm-hmm. can't touch that money. Absolutely. And he wants he wants some nice things,
1: it's and cool. I can't. It's cool that he's got all that in place, ready for when he does, you know, come of age to do that. You know, that's the adult. That's the adult thing. Having that in place, that, that's incredible. Right. That's and incredible. he's got some. He's got some great stuff that he would not part with, mm-hmm. but he totally gets
0: for a sixteen-year-old how much more enjoyment other people might get out of these things. He's got a hat a baseball cap signed by Cam Newton. That's, you know, I mean, huge that, that cam gave him at the shoot. Um, he's does, you know, it's not that sentiment. First of all, he was an asshole. Um, and, um, you know, not a lot of fond memories from the actual shoot. Um, so it doesn't, he doesn't have that emotional connection to it. Like he does some other things that he's got. I mean, um, You know, he's got some, made some really great friends along the way. Did a film a few years ago. That's, um, I think it's on Amazon, um, called um, Rockaway. Brilliant. Another brilliant film. And he's one of the main characters. About six boys one summer. 1994. um, It was, is the period. It was shot in like, like 2014 or 20, yeah, 2014 um, or 2015. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that he's got this stuff to sell, but he's also got a shitload of stuff that he's attached to and never let go. It's not like he's liquidating, you know. Um, <laughs> he just thinks that some of the stuff is would mean more to somebody else Absolutely. than to him.
1: Absolutely. I'll tell you what, memorabilia and signing stuff through Facebook – promoters and stuff I haven't been able to go and do conventions. There's a lot of money. There's been a lot of money yeah. in that through COVID and lockdown. It, it, so it, many it, different people doing it. It
0: it blows me away that like I still have a few of my original publicity photos that were shot by you know by WWF at the time. this they have the copyright on them and um and what and they're the originals. They they have that shiny coating that they uh, make out of shellfish back in the day that uh, preserves the picture. I probably have six or seven of them left and they're going for big money. It's shocking to me. Shocking to me Mm -hmm. that they're selling um, Mm -hmm. and Joe and I got another promoter friend in the business that does a lot for me. um, Scott Wilder. Um, They're saying hold on hold on to as many of these you can. They're going to go for big money. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm in the process too of, you know, going on to sites where some of this stuff will sell. Um, got a ton of pictures, all different, my son's career and my career. Um, uh, you know, the, the picture of, I have a picture of, of Bray Wyatt and James and my son, where he's holding his face. Um, um, you know, it's just a beautiful picture and a picture of him with John Cena, where John Cena is getting spooked by this, this kid, uh, singing, uh, Bray's theme song, um, with this crazy voice. Um, so, so yeah, it's a great business. I, I you know, I, I'm still overwhelmed by just the loyalty and the love of wrestling fans. It's an amazing group of people, really
1: amazing i've been over i've been over to the states for various wrestlemanias john you know i have gone over i'd say there's no show on earth like wrestlemania and uh, it's just incredible i i still love it as much as i do today you know uh, as i did as, right. a, as a young impressionable kid i think a lot of people shit on the current product but times change it's like anything i think people are very quick to shit on it but they still watch the product week in week out right it really annoys me i'm constructive you know, if I don't like something, but I always look for a positive as well, you know, like to balance yeah. it. People yeah. are too quick. This is crap. This is it. But they couldn't write wrestling and they couldn't perform as the wrestlers do. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to yeah. me. Just don't watch it. If it's putting you in yeah. so much it's stress. Way, it,
0: it's way more athletic mm. um, now. Um, there, were, there were some guys back in the day that, re- I mean, when I, very, when I first watched wrestling, um, I'm, it's got to be late 60s, but was always so impressed with Mil Mascaris, mm-hmm. um, who was, you know, he was like a, a real wrestler, like a like like, a, like a, an Olympic wrestler type where he had all the moves to shoot and very acrobatic. Mr. Perfect, one of my favorite. I mean, he was, uh, you know, some of them were really good. Brett was good. Oh, I mean, these
1: guys. Still my yeah. favorite. And I tell you what, yeah. stomp- <laughs> I, I met him at WrestleCon in 2013 and I was at, um, I was at SummerSlam 92 in Wembley when he took on the Bulldog. Um, I couldn't muster up a sentence when I met him. I never struggle at these meet and greets in the conventions, right. John. John, I barely could, because he was my favorite. I was just yeah. in the I wasn't, sorry, I've cut in there. I've jumped in. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. Um, in fact, one of my favorite episodes of primetime was, um, I stumble into his locker room, and uh, he—I think—yells at me or something, or, or what are you doing here, or something like that. And I'm, you know, of course, reacting like, you know, scared out of my mind. And he winds up giving me his sunglasses, and you know, and that's how the show starts. That they call that a cold opening um, for for uh, for that. And um, really, really physically talented, um, and now mostly everybody is on that certain athletic level where they can, you know, really make stuff look crazy um, that they're doing. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, even Owen Hart, you know, it was so physically blessed. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But yeah, it's a different product. I mean, I, I was, I was never, uh, I mean, I was never really a wrestling fan. I, I, I uh, as a young kid, I'd say maybe eight, um, I started watching and, um, you know, as soon as I realized that who was going to win before the match even started, it was not fun for me. I was very, very competitive. I was a huge football fan um, since the, since I was like six years old, baseball, all these sports, played a lot of sports. So I, I actually wrestled, but um, but not that kind of wrestling. And it was never. And it was like if you were living on this planet during the '80s, you could not escape wrestling because when Vince McMahon took over, and it was all over MTV. It was on. It was you couldn't escape. You you knew who Hulk Hogan was, Andre the Giant. You you knew these guys. Not that I sat and watched episode. The only time I ever watched was when I was on. Uh, when I was on, you know? Um, so now I'm not, I I do watch some stuff. I see that, you know, one of the things that I loved about that time versus now, um, I think the gimmicks were better. Like you had the British bulldog, you had, you know, you had these guys that would define their character and they were, um, and it was so funny to see how, how they went from heel to good guy. Um, you know, like the 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 guy you thought was the worst guy on earth could suddenly come out. Like Jake the Snake went back and forth. Um but mostly a bad guy, but I could remember times. Um Sergeant Slaughter, same thing. And they had one of everything, an army man, a policeman, a Canadian policeman. The British book. They had one of everything, you know, the sheik. Uh there was and it was very well defined. Okay. Um so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's my story.
1: John, I would be remiss not to speak about an event that you've got coming up a week from Saturday, Saturday the 7th of August, an intimate night with Jameson and friends. So, yeah, just what will be happening on, the, on that evening in uh, New City, New York? Um, well, we're going to be doing
0: um, a show, a comedy show, slash um storytelling hour um with me, James, um Greg Valentine, um and um Mario Mancini, who yeah. is you know one of the best jobbers that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um and it's gonna go into from there it's gonna go into a QA um and uh as a bonus I'm gonna show the the 13 minute tape yeah. that I was doing is gonna you know be like the world premiere of of the I'm calling it Jameson the Lost Episode. It's really fun, and um, and then we're gonna do a meet and greet after that. Where uh, so it's gonna run four to five hours, and um, and it includes a three a three course gourmet dinner. Brilliant, um, yeah. So uh, and it's on the website. It's on I mean, and it's on the um, it's on Facebook. It's on Instagram, um, and I think. We're launching YouTube. I think we launched it, but but only put up um, one of the videos so far. So th- it'll be on there too. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, I think that e- if anybody wants tickets, I think that probably the easiest thing to do if you can't find any of those links is um, um, email me. Uh, my email is Jameson, J A M E S. O N, um, not it's an E not an I um, it's been misspelled um, it's Jameson X is an x-ray WWF at gmail.com Brilliant. and there's a way to get tickets uh, you know I could get just email me and I'll, uh, I'll hook you up that's
1: cool man that's cool. I had to make sure I got you to plug that because it's coming up on there thank on, you thank on you the for 7th. that no problem no and,
0: problem and 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 Anybody that's a fan or, or whether you're a fan dating back to the, my, my actual days in the WWE or just a new fan or, or um, absolutely reach out and um, friend me on Facebook. It's my, my name on Facebook. is John Jameson DiGiacomo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, certainly, you know, join my Instagram, join, look for my YouTube channel. Um, Going to do some fun stuff with James um and again uh you know james does stand up so he's a perfect person to have on this show because i don't have to pay
1: you <laughs> it's always it's always yeah. nice i'm sure it's always nice uh, cheeseburger, <laughs> cheeseburger and fries yeah. he's good it'd be fine man i can i can yeah. well imagine he's really out.
0: funny too i mean he yeah. does it he's got a
1: great I, I so. wish I wish I was over there so I could go come have to I'd have to get over from Wales in the UK here to come. Yeah. And, I'd, I'd love I'd love yeah. to be there. You I'd know, love to be there next Saturday.
0: I almost did a commercial. I. In London, um, back in March, I was up there down to like two or three guys that were up for this role. Um, and I'm such a huge fan of British comedy. Right. even to I mean, when I when I watch videos i'm i'm either watching uh gordon ramsey or eight out of ten cats yeah are you familiar with them all
1: those uh, comments absolutely
0: uh, yeah. i love sean lock john oh. he's got i mean
1: yeah.
0: i there's nothing like it in the u.s um these i watch that stuff and of course go back to the old monty python and Forty towers but you know, uh, I should have been born British. I should have been born over there. I should move there.
1: Rod, Rod Gilbert's another good one. He is. Very good. He's Welsh, very obviously, good. you know, you're, you're aware. Yeah. He, yeah. dry, very yeah. dry, very witty. Very, yeah, yeah. And, and Jimmy Carr. Oh, uh, ruthless. He, what you see on TV and what you see on stage, oh my, he's ruthless. Roof, he's ruthless. He's
0: I watch all his stand-up videos yeah. and um. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love Sean Locke and that whole show is so well done, um, especially when they do eight out of cat, ten cats does yeah. Countdown. Um, yeah. But even though eight out of ten cats is funny. Um, uh, but yeah, and everybody, they have great guests and it's just it's really cool. It keeps me laughing.
1: That's cool, man. My- I love Sorry. and I absolutely love
0: the Brits take during the Trump presidency. <laughs> um, just. How vocal they were. Um, yeah. Anyway, don't want to don't want to get into politics.
1: No, no, we don't know. No, we're politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free. We're a politics free zone. I've had enough of this when we had the election on because I've got a lot of American friends on the social. Yeah, uh, it was. i would had enough and the uh, UK politics as well. It's just it's, yeah. people think they know they don't know the inner workings. They They, don't. Do. they only yeah. know what they yeah. see. Right. Right. There we just go. vote just yeah. vote and shut up encapsulated perfectly there John DiGiacomo all the way from New York in the US of A you all remember him fondly a star of WWF Jameson and James Jameson on the comedy circuit TV thank you so much for coming on Stu's wrestling podcast today it's been a pleasure sir an absolute honor for me too for me too you're in
0: it you're you're a great interview and um yeah had a had a
1: blast a big thank you to powered Four tv for putting the episodes up on the on-demand service there big thank you to john scott and rich crowhurst for all the support really appreciate it week in week out nothing's ever a problem also we're doing Four tv big fight weekly the mma and boxing show my cousin rich and john and put on needs first. It's been fantastic with that. Thank you to Chris Dutton again as always for the superb editing. I couldn't do this without him. And fantastic job once again. Thank you to Mike Angus for the intro as always to the show. You can find the Stu's Wrestling Podcast Merch at WrestleMerchCentral.com. There is loads of stuff. Lots of different items that you can get. Merg's hats. Face coverings, T-shirts, hoodies, even the new varsity jacket with embroidered Stews Wrestling Podcast logo on it. Big thank you once again to Dean and the team for listing my products on there. Great work, great work. And we will see you soon for the next episode of Stu's Wrestling Podcast.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network